We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you think. Welcome to the Making Queer History Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Will. And today we are going to be talking about Antonio Variasois. And before we jump into talking about him, though, we're just going to do a quick rundown of our social medias. Um, We have an Instagram, a Facebook, a Twitter, and a Tumblr. And under all of those, we're under Making Queer History. We also have a website at www.makingqueerhistory.com. We also have a mail where you can send us things. Mm-hmm. It is queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. Exactly. But most importantly, the place you should definitely check us out on is our Patreon, which is www.patreon.com slash queerhistory. That's where you can help support this project and donate and make sure that we can continue doing what we're doing. And just so you know what we're doing, if this is the first episode you've tuned into, we have the podcast, as you can hear with your ears, but we also have a series of articles that runs alongside them. Well, really, the articles are running ahead of them at this point. Um, The articles are on all people from queer history and events from queer history, and we just sort of look at them and try to bring them into relevance today and look at them through a modern lens. So, yep, and then the podcast goes over all the people that we went through on the articles, and then we sort of expand a little and add information that we've, like, learned or information that, like, we we, we just, like, we didn't put in the article for whatever reason. For example, today I have a lot of cool fun facts for you guys. Yeah, fun facts that I hadn't even found when I first researched this person, which is interesting this article is just a really interesting article for me because it's not one of our more popular ones, but it's definitely one that always gets a response from people. There are a lot of like ones that, you know, they, they're really popular, but no one ever comments and no one ever does whatever. But this one usually like gets a, like a comment or two, which is always nice. And people send us emails, yes. which you all should do. You should all send us emails. Mm-hmm. If you have anything interesting to tell us, please send in anything. Or if you have something not interesting to tell us, we'll still read it. Yes, we're really excited to hear from you guys. Yeah. Um, but you were talking about our Patreon. Speaking of our Patreon, we have a fundraiser going on. And the yeah. fundraiser is, uh, has these exclusive cool rewards that we're only going to be having until the end of June because it's exclusive for the fundraiser. We're never bringing them back. But it's this amazing illustration of a violet and arcanation, which are two symbols that have been used for the queer community for quite a long time. And they're two just really beautiful symbols. And um, our editor, Dean, made them, and they're absolutely gorgeous. I I don't know how I can say that enough, but you should definitely check them out and just, like, look at them, even if you're not going to be able to become a patron. And we have a couple different tiers. Uh, One of them gets, for the first time, the red patrons, which are the patrons who give a dollar per article, they get an actual physical reward. Before this, this has all been, like, thank yous and, like, a shout out or something like that. But for the first time, they're going to actually get something. So if you become a red patron now, this is the absolute best time to become one. Because we'll be sending you a sticker. And then other patrons will get a mug and an enamel pin and just cool stuff like that. 
And it's not only just getting physical things, we also have an exclusive episode of the podcast that is on our Patreon, only there for patrons. Yes, and so if you become a patron, you get to listen to Laura and me answering (laughs) questions. Yes, we answer a whole bunch of questions that were sent in, and we had a whole bunch of fun actually recording it. And yeah, um, we also have this really cool news of something that we're going to be doing um, later this month as another thing to celebrate our funding queer history. So and yeah, you yeah, should keep an eye the, out for that. The patrons were the first to know, they knew before me. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe it's been told to the public yet. Nope. But if you want to know this really cool exclusive piece of news about making queer history, become a patron. Yes, that is the only way to learn the news. And in general, patrons do get access to information before anyone else. They actually get access to this podcast before anyone else. Generally, we uh, release a podcast to them at the end of the month and then release it to y'all around the beginning of the next month. Um, I sometimes forget to release it to y'all because I'm like, oh yeah, I, I put the podcast up and then I'm like, wait, I didn't put up on everything. So... You could really get it a lot, a lot earlier. You actually get it on a schedule instead of just sort of erratically if you're a patron. But otherwise, you just get them when I remember to put them up because I'm a chaotic mess. But you also run a successful successful business. I also run a successful business that you should help fund because our articles are just killing it lately. And also, we've had some amazing guest authors, which are only possible because of our patrons. Our patrons are 100% what makes it possible to get guest authors because we're we find it really really important to pay queer authors and pay for their labor whatever it is and we just had a set of two articles finished by one of our guest authors and it was really cool it was about asexuality and history and how it's appeared in different times and the article most recently released was one of my articles though which is about a professional whistler and you should definitely check it out because we are so behind on the podcast you're not going to hear about that for a while yes so just like if you want to hear about regular stories you're going to have to read the articles if you just want to hear us talk the podcast is a great place to be, and it's a really good companion to the article because we really get to expand on it a lot. Also, fun facts about the the most recent article Laura wrote about a professional whistler. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura did a lot of research around whistling and would just come bursting into the room wherever I was uh, to tell me fun facts about whistling. Yes, and now I have a whole bunch of songs on my phone about whistling. Yeah. And you, you think that you're like, oh, Laura, you mean with whistling in them? No. I mean about whistling. So it's a whole thing. I love the songs. So every time they come on and it's on shuffle, I'll be like, what is this? I'm like, oh yeah, I researched this really cool person, found this really weird but cool song. And yeah, it doesn't come out much in the article. Like it's a throwaway line, but I did a whole bunch of research into whistling. So you're probably going to hear a lot more about it whenever we do a podcast episode for it. But you're not going to hear about it before then because, you know, it's not really hugely relevant to anything anything at all except whistling except whistling so those whistling enthusiasts make sure to fund us because that means we can continue going for as long as possible and eventually get to that article and be able to do a podcast and then talk about whistling for like an hour yeah that yeah i'm I'm looking forward to that please please give us money so we can do that exactly other reasons to become a patron that i just remembered you know that really amazing song you heard in the intro Will made that. Hello. Yes, Will made that. And it is exclusive to our project. And the only place you can download it is on our Patreon. Only our patrons get it. No one else. 
No one else in the world gets it. My mother does not get it unless she becomes a patron. That's pretty much all we have to do for intro. Are you ready to dive in? I am so ready. So I have again, done so much research about Will this Will has done so much research. I'm very excited because there are a whole bunch of things that Will found that I didn't even know about. So I'm hyped. Um, first, the name, go. Uh, so this guy's name is Antonio Joaquim Rodriguez Ribeiro. Uh, later, he his chosen last name was Variasoas, mm-hmm. and we'll dive more into that later. But he was this uh, Portuguese uh, musician, mm-hmm. and he meant a lot for Portugal. He's a very important uh, artist in Portugal, and he's created a lot of... Yeah, he created a whole... He created a whole lot of art, and he really was just an iconic, iconic Portuguese symbol. And he was just... Really cool, and he entered a lot of different genres, which is one of the really interesting things about him. He's just this very eccentric, eclectic, and mixed, like, mix of things in a person. Exactly. Do you want to have a fun time? Definitely Google his name and go to images, because his fashion sense was wild. Wild is the best way to describe it. Yeah. And there were so many colors, and it's just like... It's like happy fashion. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it's it's fashion that, make... that you look at and you're like, oh, that's lovely. That's delightful. It's not... sort of weird, but I love it. <laughs> so this guy was born in December third, nineteen forty four, in this uh, small village in Portugal. I believe it's called Fisco. Mm-hmm. And he had nine siblings. That's a lot of siblings. As someone who has seven, that's a lot of siblings. That's a lot of siblings, yes. Uh, we don't know much about them, but he had nine siblings. Uh, when he was 12, he moved to Lisbon. He worked at this office. He was always very interested in music. Uh, I believe his his dad played uh, the accordion mm-hmm. and played music a lot, but he never got any... Yeah, Antonio didn't get any, like, proper musical education. In fact, he only got four years of schooling, is that correct? Yeah, only four years of schooling overall, so that's pretty wild. Uh, he went to into compulsory army duty and fought during the Portuguese colonial wars. Uh, in 1967, I think, he moved to London to become a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he moved to Amsterdam to become a hairdresser. And then he moved back to Lisbon to open up the first unisex salon in all of Portugal. And here's where we pause, because outside of all these cool things he was doing, some intense stuff was happening in Portugal. Yes. Because it's interesting because Antonio was born in a time where he was still under this tyrannical dictatorship that went on for 40 or for 40 years, I think over a little over a little under, but for four decades, there was this dictatorship. And during his lifetime, the dictatorship was overthrown with the Revolution of Carnations or the Carnation Revolution. I don't remember. Carnation Revolution. The Carnation Revolution, which is named because of the lack of violence. So there was some. There wasn't as much as many others have. And it was partly because one of the ways they'd fight is they'd put carnations into the the thing of the rifles, which was just like a, a absolutely gorgeous image that is absolutely iconic around the world for revolutions in general, which is just really interesting. And it's really interesting to know what he went through in his life while all these things were happening, because when he came back, he was coming back to like a completely different country because after a revolution, a country changes a huge amount. And because he was an artist, he got to really not lead that change, but really help direct it a little bit and, his, like, influence the change. Definitely. So his music was a big part of the liberation of Portugal. Mm-hmm. And he had a very eclectic music taste and music, um, I don't know, like, music library that he yeah. created. And a lot of it was very, like, deeply rooted in Portuguese 
music and folk music and like the history of Portuguese music. And like the spirit of Portugal, so to say. And yeah, he so he has a very, very interesting life story. When we don't know much about the details, so we know he went to all these different places and he gathered all this different sort of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, and then he came back and did some pretty amazing things in Portugal with it. Yeah, so while he was working at this hair salon and then he later made a barber shop. He also worked in the local club scene mm-hmm. at night and then he played in a band called Variasoas, um, which is where he got his last name. And fun fact about that, it actually means variations. That's yep. a Portuguese word for variations. Which makes a lot of sense when you know what he was like. Yep, he was just constantly variating between just different genres, different music styles. In fact, when he got his music contract, they didn't release any music from him for four years because they were so confused as like what they would market him as. They, they didn't know. They were know. like, w- which genre do you fall under? And he's like, I'm just gonna make music. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he, he played music that was a mix of pop and rock and jazz and blues and new wave and folk and something very specifically Portuguese called fado. Mm-hmm. I want to give you all this fun fact that the way he created his music was because uh, he didn't have any formal music training. He didn't really know how to make music sound good, but he yeah. just like instinctively knew how to make good music. I'm yeah. not sure if that makes sense. But he would just use a tape recorder and make sounds and rhythms with like his mouth, with singing, with hitting things mm-hmm. and just create it while also singing. Yeah. And then he just gave this tape into the, um, into the studio and they would arrange it and make it into music with instruments and then, then have him sing and then they'd release it. Yeah, and I just think that's really cool because we often think of this progression that artists have to go through as like a very like, you go to school, then you go to university, and then you train for your whatever your chosen art form is. And then you do an internship in your chosen art form. And then you become famous and amazing but he really just skipped and moved away from all of those steps and you just see how he just stepped away from it and just did all these other things but informed his music in different ways so while he didn't take the traditional route that didn't make his music worse and it in fact informed his music in different ways in ways that other musicians wouldn't be informed because he was able to travel which Considering the fact that, like, he grew up in a dictatorship and he grew up where, like, music and art was very heavily censored, especially just kept queer people out of it and kept mentions of queerness out of it, travel was an absolutely vital part of him becoming an amazing artist, as he did later on. Not only as, like, an amazing musician, but also as an amazing hairdresser who brought this totally new style to Portugal and, like, helped all of these like famous stars do their hair in cool ways so yeah at as as laura said he got a lot of stars coming into his his hair salon and he made a lot of contacts made a lot of contacts through he, he got to star on tv shows and radio shows mm-hmm. just because he mentioned to this one guy that he was making music and the guy was like oh yeah you should definitely come play on my shows and yeah, and then at one point he sent in a demo tape to one of the biggest labels in all of Portugal and he signed a contract and then as Laura said, they spent four years trying to figure out what to publish it as. <laughs> uh, but in 1982, he finally got out his first single. And here's where I added one of my other cool fun facts. Mm-hmm. Because on this single, he had two songs. And the first one he had written himself. And the second one was the cover uh, by this singer called Amalia Rodriguez. Now, Amalia Rodriguez uh, is known as the Queen of Fado, and I'll explain what Fado is first. It is a this very specifically 
Portuguese style of music that is both passionate but also a little haunted, very little bit inspired by like Arabic elements and a lot of people say it's similar to the Spanish flamenco. It's also sadder somehow. Yeah, and it's just a really big mix of things that is uniquely Portuguese. Yeah, and so Amalia Rodriguez had this huge LGBTQ following. Mm-hmm. People adored her. She 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 made the fado completely new and she reinvented a lot of things around it. And so everyone was a big fan of her. She was also possibly queer herself. Which I'm going to have to do research into. Yes, uh, you, you're definitely going to have to do that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, a lot of the sources I looked at was like, she was maybe lesbian, but... She also had all these other relationships with men, and I'm like, bye? Question mark? Yes. Uh, but yeah, she lived a very secluded personal life, as did Antonio. And what's interesting is that she actually met up with one of the people from one of our articles, uh, other articles slash podcast episodes, Josephine Baker, who pretty much knew every queer person at the time. Like, not every queer person, but every famous queer person at some point, like, fell away into Josephine Baker's path. So yeah, she she met Josephine Baker, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool, and I feel like everyone wants to meet Josephine Baker. That's 100% true. And she also had a couple of other similarities with Antonio. They both had 10 siblings, or 9 siblings, mm-hmm. which is a fun fact. I don't think there's a connection. I don't know. But maybe all famous people from Portugal have 9 siblings. Exactly. Maybe I don't that's know. a thing. Uh, and they actually met on stage in 1983, and he at one point, including make this cover song, uh, he also wrote this ode to her in which he had this quote, which I think is really nice. And I'm going to read. All of us have Amelia in our voice and we have in Amalia's voice, the voice of all of us. That's just a lovely quote. I love that quote. It is. And I think it's really nice because one, they're both Portuguese sort of heroes and symbols and they're both very from the Portuguese roots. Mm-hmm. But they're also both most likely queer. Yeah. We, we know that Antonia was queer, and we're pretty sure that Amalia was queer. We're going to try and put that stamp of approval on it later. But, like, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's very interesting whether he knew she was queer or not. It's very interesting that he felt drawn to her. If he didn't know she was queer, it's just really interesting that she, he felt drawn to her without having that information. And that queer people sort of feel drawn to each other without even... Knowing exactly why, though I'm sure there were other reasons, because she was this incredible, incredible person. But if he knew, I just think it's amazing that he got to sort of look at someone from his history and be like, oh, wow, it's someone who's so personal and so similar to me in so many ways. And you can just like sort of look at it and be like, he sort of saw a precedent for himself. Not only that, but he saw someone who just like to look up to and to and he later did idolize her. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's absolutely incredible. And one of the really important things about sharing queer history is just giving people a connection to their own history and a connection to people who do the things that they wish they could do. If that makes any sense at all. It makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I think that's such it speaks of a connection that while he may not have known that she was crazy, speaks of a connection that sort of runs over it. No, oh, yeah, like passes over that. Even if he didn't know, there he was still was like, "This is a person that I identify myself with, and this is a person that I want in my life." Yeah, and I think is incredible. Yeah, yeah. But I also like the idea that they were they both knew that the other person was queer, and they sort of huddled together in the corner and they talked about 
everything. Yeah, and just had that queer solidarity that people Exactly. Had. And I think that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And she also, in the end, came to his funeral mm-hmm. as a show of her devotion. I don't... Respect, Respect. admiration. Yeah. And that leads us to his funeral. Um, just like last week, where or last month, where we covered Anderson Herzer, we have another short life on our hands here. And he died, um, what age was he? In 1984. He's about 40. Yeah, he was about 40 when he died. Um, his cause of death isn't known, but it is known that he did have HIV. And everyone sort of had a different idea of like how he died, and it hasn't been released. But yeah, he died quite young, but he left a huge, huge, huge impact on Portuguese music and Portuguese culture. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, he was one of the first public people in Portugal to be HIV positive mm-hmm. and not necessarily open about it, but that people knew about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think, again, as Laura said, we don't actually know what his cause of death was because it was never... I think I read a few articles that said it was he was put in the hospital with bronchitis and that's what he died of, mm-hmm. but there's not entirely certain certainty. Yeah, at least we couldn't find a source that was entirely certain. Yeah, and in his funeral... It, was crowded with friends and family and these musicians and these barbers and these bands and there was this whole eclectic group gathered to remember him mm. and there was also these other ways to remember him by his music and he also he left behind a box of tapes and studio reels that I believe they went to his brother and then they went to someone else and then they sat like for 10 years until someone listened to them and used them to give out new singles and albums. And I think that's just brilliant. That's just brilliant. And that his music very literally went on after his death. I think that's just incredible. And like to have that legacy and then have someone continue that legacy for him. Mm -hmm. Again, he was a very, he was a person of a lot of, a lot of things. Yes. He had a lot of variety in his life. That's a good. If that's too on the nose, I don't know. (laughs) Ha ha. But I think he's one of the really great people I've researched and I I really enjoyed being able to touch back on him to get ready for this podcast and I think a lot of artists which are in the queer community there are a lot of artists in the queer community would really benefit from learning more about his life just like even outside of our project just because he's really an artist's artist if that makes any sense at all yes he's someone that like you learn so much from and at the same time you sort of it sort of reassures you that art isn't one thing because we're told many 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 times that art is one thing this is how you get there and this is how you have to get there no matter what your art form is everyone's like everyone's written a book about how you get to the place the only pathway to get to the place of success in that art form yeah and that's not ever accurate and this is a really great example of that for music and antonio definitely broke the mold in so many ways Mm -hmm. through his queerness through his music through his clothing through the fact that he introduced the first unisex hair salon in all of portugal there's just a lot there and i think it's just great that he used all these experiences to inform his art and give this complexity and this nuance to his art and this history to it because like the cover of the song and then like the mention of Amelia in his lines I just think that's absolutely brilliant and I think that's something that all artists can aspire to is just like having all of their experiences just kind of like come together and 
make this incredible thing and make it not only incredible, but layered and interesting and very complex. And I think he's a really great person to research into if you ever have the time, because it's just, again, a great person to look into if you're an artist, because there's so much to learn there. And it's so much to sort of reassure you that you're not the only one. Everyone takes different paths and your different paths, no matter what it may be, might inform where you end up. And it might make you the perfect person to be where you end up being. Exactly. So yeah, listen to his music. I, I definitely think. have added that to my phone. Talking about songs that I've added onto my phone and then we'll stumble upon and be like, what is this? This is in Portuguese. I'm very confused. And I'm like, oh, this is delightful. Also, side note, he really informed Portuguese culture around queerness. And for some reason, I have this very deep interest in Portuguese queer culture. And I think everyone should like check it out a little bit because it's a very interesting culture around queerness there. And they have this really amazing queer community. And I think every country has this really amazing queer community. But Portugal is just one that I seem drawn to time and time again. So if you ever have the time, not only research him, research Portuguese queer culture, because that's just really cool. It definitely is. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I've done any other articles about a Portuguese person, but maybe I will be doing one soon about Amelia, as Will has discovered. Possibly, hopefully. I'll add it to my very long list. If you're wondering, my list is ridiculous at this point. It's I... ridiculous. It has to be color-coded. It is beautiful. Thank you. It is really pretty. And I do use a rainbow, if any of you are wondering. Of course I do. Yes. That's who Lars is a person. It is. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's all. Um, we're going to move on to a new section of the podcast that we added just recently, where we give recommendations for queer art. Um, we haven't come up with a name for the section, um, so I'm forced to sing an intro as Will gives the recommendation. So, um, as punishment for not offering us a cool suggestion for naming this, you have to hear me sing. All right, are you guys prepared? Will has a book to recommend. Please recommend the book so I can stop. Let's do this. That was beautiful, Laura. Thank you. And I appreciate it so much. Thank you. I'm here to serve. <laughs> so the book I'm talking about today is called Small Beauty by Gia Wilson Yang. And I finished it a couple of days ago. And I'm not sure if any of you guys have this feeling, but it's one of those books that you have to digest after reading it. Yeah. Because it's, it's a very soft book, but it deals with a lot of themes and it deals with a lot of growth. And yeah, it's very emotional. I would call it an emotional journey because it definitely there is. There you go. Go ahead and read the synopsis for us. Okay. Go. Uh, Small Beauty tells the story of May. Coping with the death of her cousin, she abandons her life in the city to live in his now empty house in a small town. There she connects with his history as well as her own, learns about her aunt's long-term secret relationship, and reflects on the trans women she has left behind. The novel explores the protagonist's transness, but it also tenderly yet bitterly impacts her experiences as a mixed-race person of Chinese descent, cycles of death and loss, and queer and intergenerational community. Small beauty wanders through isolation and then breaks it, a trajectory that will resonate with readers who are thirsty for their own stories on the page. Also, if you have listened to the past couple episodes of the podcast, um, I'm just going to remind you of my recommendation from before, which is Fierce Femmes and Notorious Liars. You're you're not hijacking this at all? No, not even a little bit. But I am mentioning it because the author, Kai Cheng Tom, 
um, has a quote on the back of this book uh, suggesting it, and I just wanted to read it out because I think it's a great one. In this debut work of startling maturity, Wilson Yang pays homage to and also challenges the now familiar tropes of the North American gender novel and race novel in order to situate her winsome hero on a new challenging territory. A many-faceted gem, Small Beauty is one of those novels that women of color, trans women, and fiction in general have been waiting generations for. And it's a Canadian novel, just like Fierce Femmes and Notorious Liars. Um, and just Canadian novels are just so exciting, especially queer Canadian novels, because there are so many great queer Canadian writers out right now. And this is one of them. Um, I'm also going to mention the publisher, because I realized that the publisher had released both of these books, both Small Beauty and Fierce Femmes and Notorious Liars. It's called Me Tony My Press. Um, and it's spelled out M E T O N Y M Y P R E S S dot com if you want to go to the website. Um, and yeah, it's it's a Canadian press that's just really, really cool. I've interacted with them once and I'm just really impressed by these last two novels that we've gotten from them, and we got them on the same day from the same bookstore, and it was just we both um, picked one to read and we just sat down and read them. And I think both of us cried a little bit while oh, we yeah, read each of them. Oh yeah, definitely. Same, Small Beauty is a very, again, a very emotional book. It deals with some trauma, it deals with a lot of heritage, and the main character sort of finding back to her own roots. <laughs> and I love it so much. And I think both books are really, really great reads, especially considering we're in Pride Month right now. Definitely. Um, Because I think... I'll just go, like, over to mine a little bit. Oh, yeah. But um, Fierce Femmes and Notorious Liars is literally about um, trans women of color who are also sex workers who fight the cops in situations and have to survive and how their history impacts who they are and the great spirit of transness that exists in, like, around them and in their street. And I just think it's an amazing book. And it's about, like, a rebellion, but it's also about, like, personal journeys. And I just think it's absolutely beautiful and a great one for Pride because, I mean, that's pretty much how Pride started. But Small Beauty is also this incredible novel. I haven't read it, but from what I've heard, it's, like, it's much quieter and much more, like, in-depth on the emotional side, though. It's very... I yeah. call it soul-searching, soul even. Because she goes a lot through herself and through her thoughts and her, her feelings. And then you have all these other stories that are also adding in. So you see everything from ever, sort of everyone else's perspective as mm -hmm. well. And yeah, it's very interesting. It's a really good book. And like, I think those cover like the two big things that like, sometimes you need like this really light the fire under your butt kind of book where it's just like, it's pride and it's excitement and it's fear and it's everything about being queer and just like this one amazing book. And then you need the other ones where it's just like quietness and gently leading you through this emotional, emotional journey and just really treating you gently in both books, though my book is treating you a lot less gently. Um, and yeah, I think those are two great books to check out this Pride Month. Definitely and definitely do. buy them. Yes. Because they're both um, smaller authors from a smaller publisher, so every single purchase counts. And both queer authors. Both queer authors. Why are you not supporting queer authors? They're not only queer authors, but um, they're queer people of color. Yeah. So definitely buy the books. Check them out. Um, just check out the publishing house as well, because I'm sort of getting excited about it, because I think that's a pretty cool publishing house. And yeah, I, I think that's all for the recommendations. Do you have anything more to say? Uh, not really. Just read the book. I, I loved it. And that's my rec for today. Read the book. Read the book. Great recommendation. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, no, wait. Um, I also got another book 
which was sent to us from our Fostering a Library project. More ways to support your queer, the queer people in your vicinity. Exactly. You can foster a library for us, which means you give us a book and like either you buy us a book or you send us a book from yourself. I don't know. And it has to be about queerness. And then we sort of like create this really big library so we can like do really great research. And someone sent us this really great book called Nobody Passes, Rejecting the Rules of Gender Conformity. And I'm really excited to read it. I read like a couple ways through it so far. It seems like a collection of stories, which I'm just really, really loving. Um, if you want to learn more about our Fostering a Library project, you should definitely check out our website again at www.makingcareerhistory.com. You can check out our Fostering a Library project and you can send us books because that's just a really cool thing to do. It definitely is. And yeah, again, check out our website. That's where you'll find everything that we have. Yeah. Everything will be on our website. So it's that's all in a, a pile. That, that'll, that's a good starting point. It's a very organized pile. It's a very but, organized pile. That's not because of me. That's because of Dean. Dean is much better. <laughs> I was going to say like ad organizing, but then I just stopped because yes, Dean is much better. Hello, so, Dean. If you're listening to this, we love you a lot. We do. You're a great, great editor and a great person to work with. Definitely so. Yay. Also, cool thing. Uh, we announced this recently, but if you haven't heard, we also got a grant. Yes. We got a grant from Amazing Thing. I'll leave the link to the article they wrote about us below. Um, or in the description of this podcast. I don't know. I don't know why I said it like a YouTuber, guys. I don't know. <laughs> you definitely said it like a YouTuber. I moved my hands, like, below, like, you guys could see me. Which I'm so glad you can't, because I'm wearing just pajamas. Full-on pajamas, because I'm a professional. Anyways, um, I think that's all you guys need to know. Yes. I don't think we have any more fun facts about what we're wearing. Nope. And so... Take care, guys. Yep. Have a wonderful rest of your Pride Month. Yeah. And stay safe, drink water, beat cops. Yep. Um, and take care of each other. That's a great advice to end on. All right. Bye, everyone. And remember, history is queerer than you think. We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. Taking the pen back into our own hands We live and we breathe and we keep creating Taking a stand History is queerer than you think Yes, we will continue Yes, we will improve Making history is just what we do step we're taking is history in the making. We hold our own future, we learn from the past. They've tried to remove our legacy, but we are built to last. So listen to the story. Cause they'll help us grow From Sappho to Frida Kahlo There's always more to know History is queerer than you think Yes, we will continue Yes, we will improve Making history is just what we do Yes, we will continue
Absolutely revolution